Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hey, welcome back. This is Tom Salemi. You're now listening to the OIS Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our guest today is Max Ostermeyer. He's the founder and CEO of Implant Data. Implant is uh, creating a device called the iMate, which provides uh, continuous monitoring of IOP. And uh, we've had Implant Data present a few times at OIS, and uh, we're happy to report some progress uh, on their front. They recently received a CE mark for iMate. So uh, this is a huge milestone for the company, and we wanted to catch up with uh, Max Ostermeyer to, to Allow him to bring us up to date and to tell us what's next. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Max Ostermeyer of Implant Data. Before I let you go, though, OIS at ASRS is happening on August 10th in Boston. Go to OIS.net to register. Now let's get into this talk with Max Ostermeyer. Max Ostermeyer, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Tom. My pleasure. We had you back uh, on the podcast. You were episode 59, September 30th, 2015. So we're closing in on, on two years. And uh, we do like to, to sort of bring updates of our, uh, of our guests when, uh, when the news is there to, to talk about. And you've had some great news recently. Why don't you bring, some, bring our podcast listeners up to date on, uh, on your news? Absolutely. Love to do that. So actually, since May uh, 2017, our first product is CE marked. And with that product, we can address uh, open angle glaucoma patients undergoing cataract surgery. And so with CE mark, uh, in principle, we are now al- allowed to commercialize our product in 32 countries in Europe. Wow, terrific. So what was that? Let's get into the process. We're hearing uh, in the U.S. that... Uh... You know, the CEO mark was once seen as sort of a, you know, a slam dunk, something easy to get. Not the case anymore. What was the, what was the process like? So actually, for CE marking, we had to perform clinical testing of our product in humans. Uh, so we performed a study of 22 patients in order to demonstrate safety and performance of our device. And most importantly, you know, we did a first pilot study some years back, and there had been some issues in regard of um, design of the implant. But that study now, which we performed for getting CE mark, uh, dis- disclosed that now all these design issues have been resolved, so that our device is safe. It was already safe in the pilot study. But most importantly, that also the performance is exactly what we wanted to see. So that I think is a very important uh, milestone we accomplished here. That's great. If I recall, you had uh, you'd done a presentation, I think, for our companies to watch. And I think you were anticipating, and this back, might have been back in 2015 as well, and you were anticipating getting, uh, hoping to get CE Mark last year. Right. Uh, was, that the, was that what you were hoping to do? And if so, what, what slowed things down? You know, um, things have been sl- slowed down a little bit by uh, patient recruitment, which is always an issue. But also in the very very final stage of our um, CE marking process, uh, there was some hiccups um, more on our side, not so much on the notified body side. But finally, we got all these things sorted out and resolved. Um, so we are now in a really good position. Well, that's terrific. So let's let's talk a bit about IMA. Just bring our reader, our listeners rather up to date on what uh, on what IMA does. So actually, what we 
what our device is doing, it's really monitoring intraocular pressure all the time. So you know that glaucoma is a pressure-related disease. Right now, standard of care allows you just to take pressure readings at the doctor's office, uh, but you really don't know what's going on in between the office visits, and you don't know what's going on during the course of the day or the night. So there is a lot of missing information right now, and our device is kind of revealing that missing information. So by our device, you know exactly how a patient responds to a certain medication, and that allows the eye doctor to early on adjust therapy according to the patient's specific need. And on the other hand, it really tells the patient about this condition. Right now, patients are asked to take the eye drops, but there is no feedback to the patient. So our device is providing a feedback to the patient so he knows exactly that it makes sense to, make, to take his medication or it makes sense to see, go and see his doctor if the pressure is out of control. So it's also empowering patients to do something. So it's two, two angles, so to say. On the one hand, it allows eye doctors to do better therapy. And on the other hand, it empowers patients to take control or a certain control in, in their own disease. I believe you had made the, the comment in, in one of your presentations that while we've seen a lot of advances for the physician in glaucoma, there's been marginal advances for the patients in glaucoma. And this would certainly be right. Yeah, something that would that would arm them. So, I mean, this obviously ties into, and you've talked about this before, just the the the, the growing hunger for for healthcare data, for performance data. Right. Uh, not o- not only from payers and p- providers, but also from the patients themselves. People wearing their Fitbits and everything. We all want to know what our body's doing at every at every second. H- how well does this fit into into that dynamic? Absolutely. You know, at the end, you know, we are providing data and patients are taking some measurements at home. Right now it's on demand, but it can also be fully automated so that patients even don't have to do anything to take a pressure reading. But then the data is sent from the patient's home into the cloud and the eye doctor would get an alert if there's something wrong with this patient. So on the other hand, we are, we are, um, we are sending that or specific data back to the patient on his smartphone app. So he would be aware, for example, if there is a pressure problem, he could see or he can see his pressure history for the last days. And by that, he understands it it's important to take medication because if he doesn't take his medication for one or two days, pressure goes up right away. And we have seen that in our studies that patients are really um, showing a better adherence and compliance to therapy by having that feedback channel to them. Interesting. And, and what did the, the patients who were in your clinical trials, uh, did, did, you, were the, were, did you see a difference in how, um, was it a measurement just of, of the pressures? Was that what was being tested? Yep. Were you actually measuring that they were, that they were healthier, that their, their pressure was being kept in Absolutely. check? Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I, I give you an example. You know, we have in our CEMARC study, we have included 22 patients and we followed up them for more than one year. And standard of care would have provided maybe 100 to maybe 150 data points on IOP. Um, at, the same, uh, at the same time, by our system, we acquired more than 60,000 data points. So that, I think, gives you an impression on the quality and quantity of the data we provide. And it's really, um, it's a totally different thing now because in the past or standard of care just provides snapshots, but our, our device is, is presenting the full movie, so to say. 
And by that information, you know, eye doctors are able to early on adjust therapy. And we saw that in our data. And on the other hand, we really saw that by changing medication, uh, patients respond differently to certain medication. And you see that right away. You don't have to wait for half a year until you see that uh, under standard of care. So you tell them right away how a patient responds to a certain medication. And I said, um, by giving patients a feedback on their pressure, it tells them, okay, it's important to take medication, otherwise pressure goes up. Interesting. And how does this fit into, uh, into MIGS devices and some of the new technologies coming down to, to treat glaucoma? I think it's a perfect fit, you know, because you do a surgical procedure uh, to kind of control IOP. But um, many of these patients are still under medication. And we also know that uh, mix, for, not for all patients, is working until the end of their life. So it's uh, the, the efficiency or the effectiveness of the mix is, is also kind of limited. So I think it's a perfect fit because it also allows to kind of monitor the success of the different therapies, either medication, surgical approaches whatsoever. So it's really, it's really complementary to all the therapeutic approaches. I could certainly see that. And you had mentioned the, the I guess, the holy grail being a closed-loop right. system someday. Absolutely. You know, I think now since we have CEMARC, we have kind of prepared the platform to move also in further directions. For example, integrating our technology in therapeutic devices, either a mix or integrating it in IOLs, it's a very logical step. You know, you got something and you demonstrate that it works. And now you can combine it with other devices that are important for the patient. Hey, Tom here. We're going to take a quick break from this conversation to remind you to register for OIS at ASRS. It's happening on August 10th. And we're also offering our double play combination. You can register for both OIS at ASRS and OIS at AAO. You'll pay a, uh, a combined price of sixteen ninety five for the two shows. You'll save close to $300. And you need to register by July 10th to get the savings. So go to OIS.net to register for both OIS at ASRS and OIS at AO and save yourself a little bit of money. Now back to this conversation. So what is next uh, for implant data in, ter- in terms of... Uh, well, I'm curious. Now that you have this, are are you getting some phone calls from from who are you getting phone calls from? Anyone you hadn't heard from before? Strategics, yeah. investors. You get, you know, really, we get phone calls from distributors from all over the world. Uh, we get phone calls uh, and emails from patients asking, "Okay, can I where can I get that product?" Uh, and we're also getting phone calls and, and emails from, from ophthalmologists from all over Europe. So uh, I think uh, you're right now really overwhelmed by this kind of um, feedback we get from the market. So what's next for us? You know, we have basically three main areas we have to focus on right now. So first one will be we will do a soft market launch in Europe um, in there in specific countries first. Uh, and that will be primarily addressed to private pay patients. Um, I think that's a low-hanging fruit for us to go after the private pay patient uh, segment. As a second important activity, we have to concentrate um, on the health economic uh, proof of our system. It means that we are planning right now uh, for their prospective evidence studies to kind of show to payers um, that by monitoring, 
um, disease is better under control, and by that, also cost is better under control versus a group which is not monitored. So this kind of evidence study, I think, are key for the broad market penetration of our product. And third, of course, we're working on further product optimizations. You want to get um, also a product in the market for uh, for fake glaucoma patients. So we are right now playing a first demand study for a different design. Uh, and we, of course, you want to also work on first miniaturization of our design. We want to get it really small so uh, that at the end you simply inject it either in the anterior chamber or in the posterior chamber or in the sclera. So that's, that's uh, also, that also will serve a broad market adoption so that the devices gets really small, very easy to handle by any, any surgeon. You mentioned the patients reaching out. Is this at all a, a consumer play? I mean, do, do patients, uh, have they been monitoring your clinical trials? Have they been, are these patients who have worked with you in, in these trials or, or people who just have glaucoma and want this information? Have they been tracking your progress uh, no, by we themselves? Have, we have um, uh, established a very good contact or uh, relationship with patient organizations here in Germany. Um, and, you know, glaucoma, it's a very emotional disease for a patient. The threat to get blind over time, it's really stressful to them. So they, there is a high burden, a high emotional burden to them as well as to their families. So patients, glaucoma patients, I think in general, and especially now the baby boomer generation, which is very health, which has a very high health awareness, which is smartphone, um, uh, smartphone generation coming to that kind of age, I think is very receptive to our product. And that's also what we see by this, by this response. So most of the patients reaching out to us are in their 50s and 60s. Hmm. Yeah, got all the patients in their 40s, you know, because if you've got the glaucoma at such an early age, um, you want to be really sure that for the next 20, 30, 40 years, you preserve your vision as, as, as good as possible. Sure, sure. What about financing? Where are you? Uh, how well capitalized are you? What sort of fundraising do you anticipate doing, if any, in the future? So actually, we are right now. We are right now performing a, a, a Series C round. So far, we have raised now um, up to Series B. We have raised now uh, close to nine nine million euros. And so, for the Series C, we are targeting for approximately ten to twelve million. And part of that would be also for starting activities uh, in the U.S. You know, in the U.S., <clears throat> we haven't been active so far, but we, we intend to do a pilot study uh, at, a, person, uh, at, a, uh, at a, a certain patient segment. But that all depends now on the, on the C-round funding. And uh, so for the C-round, uh, we are also talking to some strategics um, because I think, especially for U.S., as a small company as we are right now, it would be really important to have a strategic partner to work um, on the U.S. market. Mm -hmm. So would these strategics be investors only or investors and in, in distributors or, I don't know, something right. more? I think, we are really, I think we are really pragmatic on that one. You know, for me, uh, having worked now for such a long time on this project, I think it's really important to get it going in the U.S. And so in regard how we really structure it, I think we are, we are really pragmatic. And what do you think the timeline is uh, in, in really getting things going in the U.S.? And, and you can never really predict this sort of thing. But when would you like to have uh, a product in the market in the U.S.? You know, in the U.S., uh, our products definitely are going to be a PMA. There are certain orphan applications, indications, 
like uh, for certain uh, refractory glaucoma patients, for um, uh, certain uh, cornea um, surgical patients, there are certain of, of, uh, orphan applications where we might see an accelerated um, FDA approval process. But for the broad application, for the broad glaucoma population, it's certainly going to be a PMA, which is good because, uh, from a reimbursement point of view. And it, it also kind of um, raises the bars for competition, but it's bad because it ju just takes time to get there. Mm -hmm. So ideally, you know, we get things started. Ideally, we have a, a, a closing right after summer of our funding round is that we can start uh, things um, in the U.S. by the end of the year and hopefully get a study started, a first study started in the U.S. Uh, sometimes in the second half of next year. That's great. And, and final question, just going back to the commercial rollout, uh, and, you, and you may have covered this before at the start, but how many next by next year, by, uh, by 12 months from now, how many countries would you like to be selling and what's your, what's your plan? You know, we really want to, we, we see that as a pilot phase and we, we want to focus on Germany because simply it's our home market mm -hmm. in Switzerland and Austria. And there's certainly some lessons to be learned. Uh, so we hope to learn these lessons in the next 12 months before we, before we go broader. So I think it would not be a good um, thing to start really broad right away. I think uh, we do a first product launch and said there will be, of course, certain, uh, certain lessons we have to learn before we can go really broad. That sounds, that sounds wise. Terrific. Well, congratulations uh, on the iMate news. It's, it's great. And it's, we're happy to be, have been telling your story at OIS and we look forward to some future updates. Absolutely. Love to do that, Tom. Thanks a lot. That is a wrap. Max Ostermeyer, thanks for joining us on the podcast again. Great to have you back. Congratulations again on the CE Mark. Look forward to following your story going forward. Thank you, OIS podcast listeners, for joining us. Once again, join us on August 10th in Boston at OIS at ASRS. As for the podcast, uh, please do give us a ranking on iTunes. Let folks know uh, how we're doing. Shoot me an email. Let me know how I'm doing. My email is Tom at Healthogy. Dot com and please tell your friends about the podcast. It's uh, it's great having folks uh, listening, and uh, we're we're seeing some really sharp increases in uh, the number of listeners in uh, in recent weeks, and we're very grateful. So, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us every week. Tune in next week for another tale of innovation, and finally register for OIS at ASRS. It's happening on August tenth. Sign up now, and we'll see you in Boston. <music>